Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Randy, and we are currently in a series called Ask Me Anything, where we are taking a look at some of the difficult questions our students have about their faith, about the Bible, or just things in our culture that they're confused about, and giving them a biblical answer. We hope you enjoy week three. Okay, so you guys, I'm going to start tonight by being really honest with you um, that I have had a really hard time the past couple of weeks getting ready for tonight. Uh, I've had a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, knots in my stomach. You guys know that feeling um, because what we're going to talk about tonight is super controversial. Uh, And I like to think of you guys as my friends because I like you guys a lot. Uh, And there's this territory you enter into when you talk talk about something controversial and you don't want to hurt your friend's feelings. And that's what I've been feeling. I'm like, these are my friends. I don't want to say something they don't like and then them stop being my friend. And I tell you that because I want you to know that as you experience those feelings, you're in good company. That just because I'm up here and this is my job, I'm not any less afraid to say something hard as you are. And I know that's a lot of your fear as you're in school and you wanna talk about things that are hard and controversial, that I, I'm not immune to this either, that we're in this together, you're in good company, but there has to be a point where we decide and where I decide, I'm gonna stand up for what is true, for what I know God's word says, whether it makes me lose friends or not. And so tonight, we're talking about abortion. We're talking about if it's okay, And if it's not okay, why? Why is it not okay? When does life begin? These are the questions that you guys asked us and that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. And so what I'm gonna ask from you is whatever you think that you believe about this before we come into tonight, I just ask that you would open yourselves up to what God might have for you tonight. For what his word says, would you just open yourself up to that? And if at the end of tonight, we are still on different pages, I want you to have the courage to tell us and to tell me that you still disagree so that we can have a conversation about God's word and not an Instagram debate about what I said tonight. And so I say all of that um, to hope that we enter into tonight with the right heart posture. So let me just pray over us one more time and we'll we'll dive in. God, thank you for these students, their curiosity to know what your word says about a hard topic. And so I just pray that tonight we would hear your word and your truth, God, that you would make it so clear what your word says about this hard topic. We give you our hearts, we give you all of our attention in this moment for you to speak to us, God. It's in your name we pray, amen. Okay, so first let me translate for you the question behind the question. People ask, is abortion okay or why is abortion wrong? And the question that they're really asking and that they really wanna know is, is that life in the womb. Because, at least for now, Americans and the world are on the same page that murder is wrong. Like, for right now, all of us are on that same page that murder is wrong. And so if we're on that same page, the question about abortion really is, is abortion murder, therefore, is that a real life in the womb? That's the question, not is abortion okay, but is it a life? I'm pointing at my stomach, I'm not pregnant, you guys but is that a life in the womb? That's the question we're asking. The people, people wanna know, is it just a fetus? Is it tissue? When is life viable? Or is it a life? Is it a human life? So that's the question we're gonna talk about. 
tonight. And what I think you'll see in scripture is, yes, that life in the womb is precious, unique, significant, and made in the image of God. And I'll show you with God's word because if we are, if you are a Christian in this room, this is not a place that we can afford to be on different pages on. This is not one of those topics that Christians can agree to disagree. If you are a Christian in this room, we have to agree on this. So we're gonna dive straight into God's word. Um, the f- most explicit place that scripture talks about this, the issue of abortion is in Exodus chapter 21, verses 23 through 25, so let me read them. It says, if people are fighting and they hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, so she has the baby before she was ready to because she got hit, but there's no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. So let's say I'm pregnant, again I'm not, but let's say I am and somebody hits me and then my baby comes out before it's ready to. In, according to God's biblical law back then, your penalty for that person who hit me would be whatever my husband says you owe me, like monetarily, so I might could get rich because somebody hit my baby, okay? Keep reading, verse 23. But if there is a serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Essentially, whatever happens to this baby because you hit it, will also happen to you. So right off the bat, I see God's law giving a whole lot of rights to this baby inside a womb, giving it a whole lot of justice. But there's something else that's wild about this. So the next book, Leviticus 24, God is still giving law, um, and this is what he says about an adult human now. We're not talking about a baby in a womb, but an adult human. He says, whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death a.k.a. life for life. You take a life, you're put to death, life for life. Verse 19, if anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given, a person shall be given to him. So notice, we're gonna put up those scriptures next to each other. Notice it's like the exact same language. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And why is that? Because when God's giving the law to his people, when the first time he's telling them how to interact with each other, he says a baby in the womb gets the exact same rights as a human adult walking around in the world. He sees them the exact same, they have the exact same rights, they deserve the exact same protection. So this to me is the most explicit place that God says, if you hurt a baby in the womb, that is not okay with me. The same way if you hurt a human outside of the womb. Again, most explicit place God says, do not touch babies in the womb. If you do, there is consequence. But let's keep going. There's this, um, aside from this explicit instance, there's this concept in scripture that happens often. You see it pretty much the whole time. It's called Imago Dei, and it's Latin for image of God. And you see that really phrasing comes from the first chapter of Genesis, chapter one, verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So what this is saying, what Imago Dei is saying and what it means is that you and I are somehow, wild as it may seem, special to God in a way that the rest of creation isn't. 
We are different to him than the giraffes and the pandas and the koalas. They are not made in the image of God, but he chose you and I and humanity to be made in his image. We are, so, we are uniquely different from the rest of all creation in that we are made in his image, which means there is something about us morally, spiritually, and intellectually that is like God that the other creatures on the planet do not have. And what that means is there's something special about us. And there's something special about us from the womb and what we'll see in God's word even before the womb. Like God says, I put my image over you before you even were a speck in your mother's womb. So that's what we're gonna see in scripture. Uh, because you can read more scriptures than what I'm telling you tonight and I promise you, you will not find a place in scripture where God talks about an unborn child as anything other than a human, as anything other than a person, a life that he loves. But let's jump in, Psalm 139, verses 16 through 17 say this. This is David writing, he says, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Hear this, you guys. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's so much here, you guys, but God, David is saying that God is the one that knit him together, the one that put him together, put his fingers on his hands and his toes on his feet. God is the one that orchestrated every part of David's body. What's interesting here is because this shows us that whether David's mom meant to get pregnant or not, God is the one that put David in that womb. Whether she was trying to get pregnant or accidentally got pregnant or something unfortunate to her happened so that she got pregnant, God is the one that was knitting David together in his mother's womb. And what that shows us is that while we have convinced ourselves that pregnancy is this thing that we, is an accident for us, and so therefore we can fix it because we didn't mean for it to happen, we've never really been the ones in charge of it at all. Pregnancy has never been like in our hands. It has always been a miracle from God that God chooses to place in the womb because how else would Jesus have been born of a virgin? If pregnancy wasn't from God, wasn't a miracle that God put in the womb, like yes, people have a part of it, but God is ultimately the one putting this miracle inside of a womb. He's the one knitting them together. Whether David's mom meant to get pregnant with him or not, God was knitting him together. And then other things he says is that God knew every part of me before I was even woven together and before I lived a single day, God had them all written down. God wrote down every single one of David's and every single one of your days before you were even a thought to your parents. God has all of their days written out. Jeremiah 1, 5, next scripture. This is God talking to Jeremiah. So this is God in the first person here. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Notice the like tone here. God is kind of putting the emphasis on himself. He's saying, Jeremiah, I set you apart. I appointed you to the nations. He's saying, Jeremiah, you are in this place now where you're a prophet, but I'm the one that put you there. 
And God says, before I formed you in the womb, before Jeremiah was even in his mother's stomach, God had a divine plan for him. We see Imago Day here. God said, I have put you in my image before you were even a speck in your mom's stomach. And this answers kind of the question of when does life begin? Because that's a debate about around abortion too. When does life begin? Because I can like cancel the pregnancy before that as if we can decide when life begins. Oh, at the heartbeat at six weeks. What I see in God's word is that honestly life begins before the womb. God has a life planned for this baby before they were even in the womb. And so what I take from that is, as soon as there is a speck of evidence that there is life in that womb, I better not touch it. Because God has a sovereign plan for that baby. So I don't get to nickel and dime and say, oh, well at this point it's okay, or at this point it's okay. If God's had a plan for that baby before it was even in the womb, then I better not touch it any of the seconds that it's in the womb. Because God has a sovereign plan for this baby. The last scripture we're gonna look at is Isaiah chapter 49, verse one. Listen to me, you islands, hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. And this means something crazy, you guys. It means that God was calling Isaiah's name from inside the womb. Maybe before, actually before, his mom even chose his name because they didn't pick names while they were pregnant like we do now. Before Isaiah's mom even knew his name, God knew Isaiah's name and he was calling his name. He said, Isaiah, I have big plans for you. And he began to pursue him and so what this shows me is that the spiritual aspect of Imago Dei, us being made in God's image, begins before we even take our first breath. While we are still in God's womb, he is calling our name, beginning to pursue us, beginning to love us, and beginning to pursue us in a spiritual way. Beginning to have big plans for our life. That happens before we even take our first breath when we are still in the womb. And so maybe if we think about God calling these babies names, maybe we'll think about the fetus differently. Maybe we'll think about abortion differently when we picture that God has been calling this baby's name before we even knew it was a baby. That God has mighty plans for this before we even knew it was a speck. Maybe we would learn not to touch it and that he has mighty plans for it. Before I go any further because what I'm gonna do the rest of the time is show you some cool things that science actually has done to back up the fact that this is life in the womb, which is wild. How on earth would science and God's word match up? Before I get there, I have a few little uh, caveats I wanna tell you. Because I know a big argument that people say is, yeah, Shelby, I hear you, it's a life and it's precious and babies are good, but what happens like in the instance of rape? What happens when something tragic happens to a woman and having that baby would really only make her relive that tragic experience for the rest of her life when she looks at this baby. Is it okay then? And yes, that is horrible, tragic, inhumane, and I wouldn't wish it on any of you. And us as a church have a responsibility to come around people who have gone through trauma like that, to love them, to counsel them, to support them. Absolutely, I'm not discrediting how horrible that must be. But the question still has to be, is it a human life made in the image of God? And the answer is still yes. And so yes, we as the church have a responsibility to love and care for people who have had traumatic things happen to them, but we cannot punish the baby in the womb 
for a horrible choice that somebody else made. That's not fair, that's not just. This baby hasn't done anything wrong. So yes, somebody else did something horrible to a person, but that's still a baby, it still has every right to life, and our job is just to come around the person that this horrible, tragic thing happened to. And there's other arguments. One, well, we can do it before the baby has brain function and before it can feel pain. Is it still a human life made in God's image? But it'll be born into immense poverty. It will struggle all of its life. Is it still a human baby made in God's image? Well, it'll be born with all sorts of defects that makes its life really hard and its parents' life really hard. Is it still a human baby made in God's image? I didn't mean to get pregnant. I was just made a mistake one night, and so I didn't really mean this. I'm not ready to have a baby. I'm not ready to be a mom. Is it still a human baby made in God's image? That's a question we have to ask. As much as all the other things may be hard, is it still a human baby made in the image of God that God has a plan for and has known since the beginning of time? And something else I have to say, there may be somebody in this room who one of these horrible things has happened to and maybe you've already chosen abortion for yourself. And I want you to know that we don't hate you, we love you and we wanna come around you. We aren't mad at you for the decision that you made, um, but let us as the church love you if that's a choice that you've already made in this room. But, but now some of the cool facts that I've learned from science that blew my mind as I studied this um, to show you that science has actually caught up to God's word in what he says about scripture, or about abortion. So I found this picture when I was scrolling on Instagram and I think it's hilarious. Um, let's put it up there. Okay, that's a picture of a baby and the caption reads, a new study found that fetuses make a laughter face when exposed to the taste of carrots and a cry face at the taste of kale. And I think it's hilarious because, as most of you know, my husband's name is Kale. And so it's just hilarious that babies think that Kale is gross. Most of us probably already agree that it's gross, but I just think it's hilarious. But I also think it's wild. You can see, like, that baby in his mother's belly is definitely smiling. You see his little chunky cheeks. Like, he thinks carrots are good and good for him, you know? And he probably thinks carrots or kale is bad. Good for him, okay? But I have a question for you. It's probably obvious. Do you guys know what this picture, like this type of picture is called? An ultrasound. I'm hearing it, but you were mumbling it because you weren't sure. Yes, it's an ultrasound. Okay, good. I'm glad you mentioned this. I'm glad you brought it up. I learned something wild about ultrasounds. So you know what they are, right? They like do something, I don't really know what, but they take pictures of babies in their mother's stomach and they also allow you to hear the baby's heartbeat. Okay, I don't know a world without ultrasounds. As long as I've been alive, ultrasounds have been around. And the same thing for you guys. But what I learned was that ultrasounds didn't come around until the late 70s, which again, feels like a long time ago for you guys, okay? The reason I bring that up is because the court case that all of this revolves around, Roe versus Wade, right? That was decided in 1973. 1973 is the early 70s. It wasn't until the late 70s that ultrasounds began to be a thing. It wasn't even until 1974, the year after, that the US recognized taking an ultrasound as a job. 
Like the US didn't even allow anybody to do it until the 1974. So the decision, Roe versus Wade, which decided that the states could not make it illegal to have an abortion, that decision was made in a world without ultrasounds. That blows me away because those people who made this decision that abortions were okay were being told that the baby in the womb is just tissue. It's just tissue and we can just take it out. And they had no reason not to believe them. If you had never, like they had never seen an ultrasound, they never heard a heartbeat. So all of the experts were saying it's just tissue and they're like, okay. They don't have any reason not to believe it. You and I can't imagine that because we only know ultrasounds, but they were being told it's just tissue. They had no reason to believe it's not tissue. So this decision was made to say that nobody can make abortion illegal. But then literally like a couple years after that, we began to see abor abortions. We began to see ultrasounds. We began to see pictures of babies in their mother's bellies and hear their heartbeats. And so what's wild and what's honestly horrifically ironic is that now all this evidence is beginning to pile up to say, yes, there is life in the womb. We can see it, we have pictures of it, we can hear it. And yet now is the time when we've also said, it's just tissue. It's just like living off of its mom, it's not a life, it's just tissue. I can almost excuse that before you really could have definitive proof that there was life in there aside from God's word. But now that we actually have it, it's wild to me that we're trying to convince ourselves that that's not true. I found a video um, of an ultrasound at six weeks. Just six weeks, that's less, I think. Do you all have six weeks or nine week semester or grading periods, whatever. Yeah, that's less than the amount of time that you have a grading period, okay? So watch this video. <laughs> That's the baby? Sure is. That's baby doing great. You cut this? Yeah, how many beats per minute? Oh, like 155 <laughs> it looks like. Okay, so that's an ultrasound at six weeks, that baby's heart is beating 155 beats per minute, which is like twice-ish what ours sit at. So that baby's heart is moving. That baby's heart is pumping to grow, to live, to survive, to thrive. That baby has life and it is six weeks old. Something else that science uh, has shown us is that from the moment of conception, that baby is Half mom, half dad. It's got half of mom's DNA and half of dad's DNA. And that's important because an argument people are saying is, well, it's just like a part of the mom. It's just like living off of the mom. And so then until it's its own individual, it's okay to like get rid of it because it's just this thing the mom doesn't want as a part of her anymore. Well, no, if that were true, it would be all mom DNA. But from the beginning of its life, it's been its own unique person, it's had its own unique genetic code, it's been half mom DNA, half dad DNA, and there's no one else in creation that has its same genetic code. Which means that baby is its own life. And so again, it's just wild to me that we would now see all of this scientific evidence that there is life, that we can hear the baby, we can see the baby, and we know the genetic makeup of the baby. But yet now we're saying, 
no, there's no baby. It's not true. It's not a baby. So Christian, what I need you to know is maybe you're like, yes, I'm pro-life, but I support other people if they're pro-choice because like, it's not my place to judge them. And I need you to know that all you're doing when you're saying that is, yes, I know it's a baby and I believe it's a baby, but I'm supporting somebody else's right to take its life away. And we can't stand there, Christians. If you're a Christian in this room and you believe the authority of God's word, then what we have to say is it is a baby, I'll protect its life, and I hope that you, the person you're talking to, will protect its life also. Because no matter how small it is, that speck is made in the image of God. And that speck is more important than all of the planets and all of the stars in the universe to God. It is the most important thing to him. That speck before he even was a speck is more important than all of the stars and all of the planets. And Jesus gave up his life for that little speck.